0: Welcome to The Hills, and thank you for joining us in this second of a series we're doing in the month of January called Stronger. A special shout out to all of you that are watching online. Today you have something in common with all the people who are in person at our North Rich and Hills, West Fort Worth, and South Lake campus, and that is everyone today is watching me on a screen. Let me explain. So last fall, we rolled out our new vision, Ask for Nations and Generations. And one of our goals is to have five campuses by the year 2026. Well, we've been in much prayer discerning what that might look like. And we have received a lot of inquiries, especially from people in Dallas County, about that being where our fourth campus is launched. And so we have come to a conclusion God is opening a door there that we need to investigate and discern. And there is a church in Dallas called Skillman Church. The elders listened to our vision, were intrigued by it, and have been having conversations with us about how they can be partners with us in this vision. And so they have graciously agreed to host an interest service on February 3rd at their building for anyone in Dallas who might want to know more about what we're hoping to do regarding a fourth campus. And so I'm at the Skillman Church today sharing with their church more about our church vision. So I want you to be praying about February the 3rd. Get the word out to your friends in Dallas County as we're gonna have an interest night and see what God might be up to. I'm looking forward to that day. I'm also looking forward a few days earlier To our men's conference. Guys, I really want you to get your ticket. Uh, Now, I feel a little awkward promoting the men's conference when I am one of the keynote speakers. So let's just acknowledge that you know that Dr. Tony Evans is strong. You know that Bob Goff always brings an exciting word. And I must uh, thank God because I think he's given me a good word to bring. It's going to be a great conference and it's a wonderful way to introduce your friend to faith and to God's people. So guys, get your ticket and get one for your friend. And then one more thing I'm looking forward to. This afternoon, Cowboys are in the playoffs. Everyone knows I'm wearing my blue and my silver. I've even got on my Cowboys socks, okay? Now, when I was a boy, you just knew the Cowboys were gonna be in the playoffs every year. That's not how it's been lately, has it? Now, someone's thinking right now, you shouldn't think that God cares about who wins the game. I don't. I would never teach that you should pray that the Cowboys should win a football game. God doesn't care who wins the game. God does care about people. And so if you wanna to pray today that Dak Prescott and Zeke Elliott and Micah Parsons go to bed tonight, very, very happy, that is totally biblical. And I endorse that. <laughs> Here's the thing, if you're a Cowboy fan, it's a marathon. And there's a lot of heartbreak. And we said last time, life is a lot like a marathon, especially following Jesus. It's long, it's demanding, and it takes an enormous amount of strength. And That's why I really enjoy this picture I want you to see. The runner is named Shizo Kanakuri. He once held the world record in the marathon. He represented Japan in the Stockholm Olympics in 1912, one of only two they could afford to send. But it took him 18 days by train and ship to get there. He got there so exhausted and out of shape that when the race began, he literally passed out. And feeling like he had shamed his people, he never even reported to the race officials, and he just left the country. He went back to Japan. Over 50 years later, uh, the Swedish Olympic Committee found out he was alive. And they invited him to come back and finish the race, which he did. He finished his marathon in 54 years, 8 months, 6 days, 5 hours, 32 minutes, and 20 seconds. As he said, it was a long trip. And along the way, I got married, had 6 children and 2 grandchildren. But I love that. He did finish his race. Now, you're following Jesus. It is long, and it's demanding, and there's going to be a lot of hills. And the enemy is going to tempt the weak runner to stop and drop out of the race. Listen to the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. It says, if you fail under pressure, your strength is too small. So what we're doing this month is just talking about how can we find strength in the Lord to follow Jesus well. And last week we saw in the life of David three takeaways from a time when he needed strength from the Lord. We saw that no one can stay strong for long without God. We saw that God is eager to make us stronger. But the final takeaway is that we learned inner strength must be pursued and renewed. So what we want to do today is just look at the scriptures and learn how we can do the kinds of things that help us stay in the race, that keep us strong. But before we talk about what I'm going to call strength builders, I thought it might be helpful to talk about some strength sappers. And there's no one verse I can point to here. Honestly, I'm drawing on over 40 years of experience as a minister and pastor talking with people. And I think I've identified some things that absolutely will sap your strength. And here's one. Fear and worry. No one can be powerful and fearful at the same time. You can be full of anxiety, you can be full of strength, you cannot be both. Jesus said worry never made anybody stronger. Anxiety never made you one inch taller or helped you live one year longer. So listen to the Lord speak to you now through the prophet Isaiah. Don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. God says, instead of giving in to fear, put your trust in me and it will make you strong. Here's the thing, listen to me. It's not, well, when I get strong, then I'll trust God. No, it's trust God and you will get strong. Another strength sapper is bitterness and resentment. It takes a lot of energy to nurse and relive a wound. In fact, secular research confirms this. Erasmus University did a study. They took two groups of people and they said, now remember a hurt, remember a conflict, remember a deep wound. And half the group had not forgiven their wounder. The other half had sought and received reconciliation. And then they gave them all a test. Stand with your knees locked and jump as high as you can five times. Here's what they found out. The people that had not forgiven the person who hurt them jumped three inches shorter than those who had. It literally affected their physical strength. In fact, one of the researchers said, when you carry a grudge, it's like you are carrying a weight. The Hebrew writer says, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And so someone today needs to hear me say, don't let your wound become your weight. A strong person will become a forgiver and a forgiving person will become stronger. Fear and worry will sap your strength, bitterness and resentment. And finally, sin and guilt. Sin is toxic to everything God created. It destroys health in every realm, physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual. In fact, there's this interesting verse in 1 Corinthians. Paul is talking about the behavior of that church at the Lord's Supper. And he says, some of you are being so ungracious and so unkind and insensitive to others. And he has this little verse. It's why some of you are weak and some have even died. I mean, literally, sin is powerful enough to sap strength from every part of our being. It reminds me of David's words. You know, when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, he went over a year of trying to conceal his sin. He said this in Psalm 32. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long, day and night. Your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. When we walk in known disobedience, spiritual strength is drained. In fact, let me say this. You cannot walk in known disobedience and act like the reason for your weakness is unknown. Let me give an illustration. Over the years, more times than I can count, I've had conversations with men who say, I'm just a weak spiritual leader. I'm not praying with my family. I'm not in the Word. And in the course of our conversation, I discover they regularly look at pornography. It should not be a surprise that you are empty of spiritual strength. Don't act like you can't know why you're weak when you walk in known disobedience to the Lord. You see, it's usually not hard to find the reason why our strength is being sapped. The challenge is to find the willingness to do something about it. And so, as I prepared for this series, I read every verse in the scripture and meditated over them regarding strength. And I've concluded that there are some things that we can do. I'm going to call them strength builders. That will encourage us in our race and keep us running after Jesus. And here's the first, God's Word. Weakness is repelled when God's truth is received. David said in Psalm 119, My soul is weary with sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. David knew that the truth of God builds and renews inner strength. Let's be honest, you cannot build spiritual muscle on a diet of junk food. If we are going to be strong in the Lord, we're gonna to have to ask hard questions about what we're consuming most of the time. I think back to the story of Jesus being tempted by the devil. He's been praying and fasting for 40 days and the devil comes after him hard and you'll recall, Every temptation was repelled by Jesus by quoting the word of God that he had stored up in his heart. Now, you read that story and say, well, yeah, because he's Jesus. He's divine. He's supernatural. Listen, Jesus met that challenge fully human. Go back and read that story. Every weapon Jesus used to overcome the enemy is available to every person. He met the enemy through prayer and fasting and storing up the word of God. It reminds me of 1 John 2. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you. And you've overcome the evil one. God's word is a strength builder. There's an old phrase, a Bible falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. I got to thinking about that. When I reflect on the people I know that I think are strong in the Lord, they all have this one thing in common, worn out Bibles. Now, I'm not saying a worn-out Bible means you're a strong person. I'm saying a strong person has a worn-out Bible. You check me on that. You look at the strongest people you know, look at their Bibles, and see if there isn't a connection. God's Word is a strength builder. Also, teaching and testimonies make us stronger. It says Jesus gives His church the Scriptures and teachers. In the New Testament, these are usually people called prophets, people who received words of revelation from God to encourage the church. 1 Corinthians fourteen three: those who prophesy are speaking to people to give them strength, encouragement, and comfort. Colossians 2, 7 says, Let your roots go down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. And one more, 1 Thessalonians 3. Paul says, we sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service, in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. We sent a man that knows how to preach the gospel because we knew that hearing the teaching of the word of God and the good news of Jesus would strengthen you. Listen, just as an athlete goes to the gym to build muscle, a disciple goes where the gospel is being taught to build up his faith. A third strength builder I identified in my study is this, obedience. If sin spills our strength tank, obedience fills our strength tank. Moses in his final address to the people of Israel before they're about to cross the Jordan says in Deuteronomy 11, "Be careful to obey every command I'm giving you today so you may have strength to go in and take over the land you are about to enter." You know, some of us need to change our view about why God gives us commands. God does not give us things to obey to bind us but to build us, to give us strength I'll give you a personal illustration some years ago a man I don't really know said some things publicly about me that were very critical and honestly they were untrue they were unfair assaults I was bitter about it bitterness and resentment will sap your strength now here's the thing I know what Jesus said bless those who curse you I didn't want to obey but I did. I wrote a letter. I didn't lie. I authentically found things in his life I could commend and bless, and I sent it to him. Now, I don't know what impact it had on him, but I know what it did to me. (laughs) I felt like a weight was lifted, and I felt stronger. And by the way, what is true of us individually is true of us collectively. Churches are stronger when together they pursue the mission of God and obey the words of Christ. It says in Acts 16, Paul and Barnabas delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey so the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Listen, church, as we ask for nations and generations, and we don't have to wonder, is that God's will? Are we asking God if it's is No, we know God wants nations and generations to come to him. So as we pursue and obey his will, we'll get stronger as a church. We'll grow as a church in numbers and in strength. So Listen. Don't wait until you're strong to start obeying God. (laughs) Start obeying God and you'll get stronger. Another obvious strength builder the scripture reveals is committed spiritual relationships. That one way to lean into God is to lean on another person of God. I mentioned last time David felt so exhausted being constantly pursued by King Saul but there's this little beautiful verse in first Samuel 23 Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horish and helped him find strength in God isn't that cool now do you have a Jonathan in your life do you have someone that comes to you to help you find strength Because Jesus called no one to run the race of discipleship alone. I have a good friend who pastors a church where a man who's older in years is the caretaker of his wife who has a disease that doesn't let her leave the home. It's a very exhausting thing to do. But every Sunday he makes it to church and... and The pastor thought, well, maybe he just wants to take communion every week. And he said, if it would be easier, we could bring communion to you. He said, oh, no, no, no. No, I need to come and shake some Christian hands. And I loved what he was trying to say. What keeps me going, what gives me fuel and energy is the fellowship of people that I know are for me. Mutual strengthening. Is every Christian's need. Oh, and by the way, it's every Christian's responsibility. Jesus knew that Peter would betray him, but he also knew Peter would turn back. He said in Luke 22, I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. That's an assignment Jesus has given all of us. Listen again from the prophet Isaiah, the words of the Lord. He says, strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong. Do not fear. We feel strongly about this as a church. That's why one of our next steps is doing life together. Now, let me get very candid and honest. The last two years have caused Christians to live in more isolation than they ever have before. I get it. I understand. I also know it is the way of Jesus and the way of discipleship to do life with brothers and sisters. That's how Jesus lived. We're not going to follow Jesus and do things differently. I want to encourage every small group leader. If you were leading a group before the pandemic, you make it a priority as soon as possible to get your group back together. We want everyone in a community group. We want everyone in a rooted group. We're not going to compromise on this value because we think it is the clear way to follow Jesus. We all need committed spiritual relationships. We're stronger together than we can ever be apart. A fifth strength builder. I discerned the Sabbath. God made us for rest. And God made rest for us. Go back and read Genesis 1. It says there was evening and there was morning. It wasn't go work and then rest. It was rest and then work. Think about it. Adam was made on the sixth day. Adam's first full day was a day of rest. This is a pattern that God has built into his creation. Now, here's the thing. The enemy wants you to believe that you have too much to do to create intentional margin in your life to just be with God in stillness and in quiet and let your spirit rest. So, am I talking to anybody right now that had more to do than Jesus? Am I talking to anybody right now who had more people demands than Jesus? But it says clearly in the Gospels it was his regular practice to go off and be quiet and alone and still and rest in God. Listen again to God's own words and let them encourage you. Isaiah 30, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says In repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength. And I'm talking to somebody right now, and you've got to do something about your pace. You've got to be more intentional about creating margin in your life to regain your spiritual health. I learned when I trained for my marathon that if you want to go longer and farther, you have to rest. That's why along the race they have those stations where you walk for a few steps and you get some fruit and you drink some water. And that doesn't slow you down. It actually enables you to go faster and farther. Sabbath is a strength builder. So is worship. Weakness is expelled when God is exalted. There's Paul. He's in prison. He has been beaten. He is put in locks. And at midnight, he is singing praise to God. The psalmist says, chapter 59, I will sing of your strength. In the morning, I will sing of your love for you are my fortress, my refuge in times of trouble. You are my strength. I sing praise to you. You, God, are my fortress, my God on whom I can rely. Here's the thing I've learned about worship. It empties cynicism and hopelessness of its power. We've all had this experience. We are beat up. We are worn out. We're thinking, I don't have the energy to go and worship with my brothers and sisters today. But you do go and you leave and you're stronger. And nothing about the situation that's making you tired changed, but you change because you experienced the presence of God. Okay, I'm gonna date myself. But before Jimmy Fallon, there was Jay Leno. And before Jay Leno, there was Johnny Carson, the original king of late night TV. Carson had a 27th anniversary show one time, and the very last thing he had on that show was a clip of the doxology. Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. You wouldn't have expected that, but here's the backstory. You see, earlier that year, Carson had interviewed this guy, Oral Hershiser, a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers who had just won a World Series. And Carson had asked him, when you're in the time of great pressure and great stress, what do you do to calm your nerves and to keep up your strength? And where should I say, I sing. And Carson said, well, what do you sing? And right there on national TV, he sang, praise God from whom all blessings flow. There's a reason that Jesus sang a hymn with his disciples before he went out to go to the cross. It says in the Old Testament, the joy of Of the Lord is your strength. Worship regularly. It'll make you strong. Another, and I had trouble exactly deciding this one. I just came up with my own phrase. But this is a strength builder in the scripture. I will call it divine boosters. Okay, sometimes God just supernaturally infuses his children with strength. Remember, Jesus is praying, not my will, but yours be done, and it says an angel showed up to strengthen him, a supernatural gift of God. In, in the book of Daniel, he has a vision, and he says, then the one who looked like a man touched me again, and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace, be encouraged, be strong. And as he spoke these words to me, I suddenly felt stronger and said to him, please speak to me, my Lord, for your strength you have strengthened me. Something similar happened to the Apostle Paul. He writes to Timothy, I'm on trial and everyone deserts me. I'm totally abandoned. But he says in chapter four, but the Lord stood at my side, gave me strength. Now this is more than just a metaphor. I don't know if it was a vision. I don't know if it was an angel. I don't know what it was, but he powerfully felt the presence of God empowering him. God is willing to provide divine strength boosters in ways that cannot be explained but cannot be explained away. You need to ask for it. There are times in your life where you just say, God, I need a miracle right now. I need some divine, supernatural strength. You need to ask for it for yourself. You need to ask for it for other people. Paul did. He prayed for the Ephesian church, chapter 3. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. You should pray that for yourself and you should pray that for other people like Paul did. I'm praying, God, that your Holy Spirit will give me profound inner strength because of an outpouring of an experience of your Holy Spirit. God gives booster shots. You need to go get some every now and then. And then finally... My study revealed that we are stronger when we are infused with the gospel of grace. I learned as a young man there's nothing more exhausting than legalism because I tried it and it wore me out. I remember one time I went to get a physical. They put me on a treadmill. They hooked me up to a lot of cords and I started walking and I thought to myself, I'm doing pretty good. I'm not even sweating. That little lady turned it up a little bit. I had to go a little faster, a little more inclined, but I'm doing pretty good. She turned it up a little bit. After a while, I am sweating and I am breathing hard and I realize it doesn't matter how hard I try, she can always crank it up. That's what legalism does. Legalism says you've never done enough. You never can be sure. You always need to perform and it is exhausting. And here's what it produces, fear and bitterness and guilt. And it saps your strength. But grace will silence the voice of worry. It'll motivate the gift of forgiveness and erase the stain of guilt. There is a strength in the gospel of grace that no other narrative the world is peddling will ever provide you. Paul said to his young son in the faith, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The gospel of grace will keep you in the race. Let me say that again. When you become absolutely convinced that you are saved by the grace of God, it will keep you running when the race is hard. And it'll help you finish well. As a young preacher, I was influenced a lot by the writings of a man named Tom Long. And in one of his books, he tells a story that he went back to a church that he had served many years earlier as a youth minister. And he met a woman and asked about her father because he was very fond of him when he had been there as a young man. He said, well, dad passed away last summer. It was very sweet. And she told him this story. We were with my dad in the last hours of his life. In fact, the last hour of his life, me, my brother, and my sister. And with a great struggle. My dad, who had had a stroke and couldn't speak anymore, kept pointing to the bathroom. And finally it said, he wants a glass of water. My brother went and got a glass of water and tried to give it to my dad. No, my my dad was pointing to him. And so the brother took a sip of water and then the dad started pointing to the sister. And they finally realized dad is serving communion. His last act as a father was to remind his children of the gospel. The writer says in Hebrews 13, it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. I hope this teaching is blessing you. Maybe God will use this teaching to help you find what is sapping your strength. And perhaps... God will use this teaching to help you find the willingness to do something about it. Because here's the thing I learned. Strength is both a grace and a choice. It is a gift and God gives strength for the race. But you have to decide to run. And so what is your next step to avail yourself of the strength that God wants to give you? Maybe it means that you turn off the talk radio on the way to work and start listening to the Word of God. Maybe it means you find a small group of fellow Christians that you can encourage and can be encouraged from. Maybe it means you address that area of disobedience in your life finally and get honest and real. Maybe it means you become regular in your worship of the Lord. Whatever it is, I remind you, God is eager to make you stronger. Strength is a grace, but it's also a choice. One last uh, quick story. This picture is of one of America's most popular and iconic films, Ben Hur. The actor was named Charlton Heston. The director was the famous Cecil B. DeMille. Heston trained for weeks to learn how to drive a chariot for the famous chariot scene. He said to DeMille, I think I can stay in the chariot. I don't think I can win the race. And DeMille replied, you stay in the race. I'll make sure you win. And that's my word to you, my friend. You stay in the race. And God will make sure that you finish strong. Pray with me. So God, please bless this teaching. I pray every single person listening will find some way to apply it, some way it can speak to their life to encourage and to build up and to strengthen. Thank you for being a God of all grace. We ask for more because we want to run well and we want to finish strong. For the glory of Jesus in whose name we pray. Amen.